I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped into her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among the women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Well, good morning, everybody. I've put everybody out this morning by setting the lectern at Naomi High at the very beginning of the day. So, um, so last night I was at an open-air cinema in St Kilda and it was a sing-along concert for Frozen, the Disney movie. I know, never thought I would be at something like that, but it was great. I was there with a few hundred other people, along with dozens of little girls dressed up as Queen Elsa. So everywhere we looked there were these blue flowing dresses with snow-laced caps. Um, And there was this priceless moment in the middle of the movie where Queen Elsa sang the signature song, what is it guys? What's let it go, we all know it. Let it go. And it was amazing. All these little girls ran to the front, right in front of the big screen, and they were all dancing and belting this song out at the top of their lungs with actions and all. And it was the most amazing sight to behold. Well, I could tell which was the favourite song of the night. I'm wondering if anyone here has a favourite song. A song they know all the words to, a song that reminds them of a significant time in their life or an important memory. Do we have anyone that's got a favourite song? (laughs) Ash? Okay, great. And does that remind you of a particular time? Ah, awesome. Brings back all these memories. Anybody else? Any other favourite songs? Can I be lame? Sure. Oh, that needs an awe. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Can anyone top that? <laughs> anyone willing to share. (laughs) What about the kids? Have you guys got any favourite songs? Any younger people? Yeah? 
I was actually surprised that I knew all the words to Let It Go. Quite, it's quite a catchy song. Well, Christmas is another time when we're singing lots of songs, we're hearing lots of songs and they're kind of like old friends, aren't they? We sing them every year, they're very familiar to us, they remind us of a big story and they remind us of what life's like at this time of year for us. They bring back memories, the feelings of this time of year and everything that it means. So today I want us to spend just a few moments reflecting on the very first Christmas song and it's found in Luke chapter 1 and it's what was just read for us. It's Mary's song. Now this is a song and it's sung by Mary who's just a young girl at the time and she's so overwhelmed by her love and adoration for God that words just aren't enough. It's not enough for her just to say it. She's literally bursting at the seams with excitement, like these little girls singing Let It Go. She's bursting to tell the world, to sing it out, how great God is, how wonderful he is and how much she loves him. She's praising his faithfulness and God's trustworthiness. And she has to sing it rather than just say it because she's got to be able to portray the depth and the passion of what she's trying to express. So a bit of context, we all know the story. Mary was a young girl, she was probably only 12 or 13 at the time, so yeah, quite a bit younger than we often think. She's no one famous, she's just an ordinary peasant girl from a small, nowhere place called Nazareth. She lived a simple life, But she grew up hearing all the stories about God's faithfulness to his people. She'd hear the scriptures read every week and she just absorbed all of the wonderful things that God had done throughout time. His faithfulness to his people, his mighty acts and his promises. His promises to send a saviour, to deliver his people. So she loved God, she really did, and she trusted him. As was the custom at that time, Mary's family arranged for her to be married and she was betrothed or promised um, to a young man called Joseph who she would marry sometime in the future, maybe a year or two down the track. But something unexpected and very extraordinary happens to Mary to interrupt this ordinary course of events. Who can tell me what happens to Mary? What happens next in the story? She's arranged to be married. What, what happens? Anyone? Yeah, she gets a visit from an angel. Oh my goodness, that's a little bit bizarre. But anyway, what, what happens when the angel comes? What does he say to her? Anyone? Yeah, she's going to have a baby. Okay, so firstly an angel comes to her, a little bit strange, and doesn't just come but speaks to her, says they're coming from God, 
This God who she's heard about her whole entire life, this God who has made promises that a Messiah is coming, and then he tells her she's going to have a baby? And she's thinking, oh my goodness, how is this going to be? And her response, it says in the verses just before what we read, it says that she was deeply troubled by this visit from the angel. She was a little bit shocked, not sure what to make of it, maybe hearing voices, who knows. And then she asked, but how is this possible? You know, she wasn't a very educated girl, but she wasn't silly. She's like, I'm not married. I've never been with a man. How can I, how can I have a baby? So you can imagine the shock, the questioning, the anxiety, the uncertainty. And what would people think? Her family, her friends, her society. You know, it's not okay in her society to have a baby without being married. And Joseph, she's betrothed to marry him. What's he going to think if she turns up pregnant? And more than that, she's not only going to be a disgrace and a shame to all of her family, but this angel's talking about the long-awaited saviour of the world. That is going to be her child. You can imagine her thinking, really? Me? (laughs) Why me? Who am I? So this was a crazy, impossible plan and Mary was a very unlikely and unexpected person for God to use to bring about his whole salvation plan for all of humanity. And it is right here, right now, right at this moment that Mary sings this song. And this song, this very first Christmas song, ushers in the most important moment in human history. This song is good news. This song is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his unbelievable plan to save the world. And who does God use? A nobody peasant girl, mind you, from a nowhere village in the Middle East, Mary. So this is a song of how God uses the unlikely and unexpected people to change the world and to do impossible things. And it's a song which is a picture, a passionate portrait of this God that Mary loves and knows. It's a song that paints a picture of all God's characteristics in loud, bold strokes so that everybody can see. This song draws on all the songs that have been sung throughout history, all the songs that are recorded in scripture. It's a picture of who God is and what God's kingdom looks like. This is the good news. This is the gospel. And it's first sung to us by a woman, by a girl, the most unlikely and unexpected person to be the bearer of such a massive plan for God's salvation. 
The people of Israel, they've been waiting for generations for this saviour that the scriptures have been speaking about. But instead of coming as a soldier, a ruler, a king who'd overthrow the Romans, how does this salvation plan come? It's ushered in by a pregnancy of all things. And it's a pregnancy and a birth that's going to change the course of human history. And it's going to turn the world upside down. Well, those of you who are parents probably think that every birth turns your world upside down. But this one literally does. It turns the whole course of history in another direction. Okay, maybe for those of you who haven't been pregnant before, who knows what it might be like to be pregnant? Any ideas? What might be some of the fear? Yeah. I'm sure you've seen pregnant people. Exhibit A. <laughs> what, what might be some of the things that someone might be going through when they're pregnant? Any ideas? Ah, yeah, you get to eat lots of chocolate. <laughs> or you can use it as an excuse anyway. Lots of emotions, yep. Yeah, apprehension, anxiety of the unknown. What's this going to be like? What's happening to my body? What's coming ahead of me? A bit of a fear of the unknown as well as an excitement for what's to come. Lots of sickness, lots of feeling a bit more vulnerable than usual maybe. Pretty tired. Um, They're definitely things that I have felt so... You know, changing the whole course of history and turning the world on its head is not something that I'm kind of feeling pretty empowered to do right now. Um, But they're all things that go along with pregnancy. And it's even more evidence that God is using in this story, in this person, in this pregnancy, a very unexpected and unlikely means to bring in his kingdom. So this whole crazy plan, this new upside down kingdom is ushered in in verse 38 at the point of conception and it's the point where Mary says, yes, I am the Lord's servant, excuse me, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. So the angel has told her this impossible plan He's told her that nothing is impossible with God and Mary's response? Well, she knows who God is. She trusts him. So she says, okay, let's do it. But I'm sure her head is swimming with questions and anxieties but she totally trusts God. So she says, let's go for it. She knows God. She knows his character and she trusts him. She's acknowledged that God is the Lord of her life and she trusts him even though she doesn't know how it's all going to turn out. So in Mary's yes, we see that God chooses to use the humble, the unlikely and the unexpected. And he can use us if we just trust him enough to say yes. For as the angel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. 
He uses us in all of our weakness, in all of our brokenness, in our vulnerability, in our uncertainty, in our not knowing what the future may hold. We just need to say yes to God because he wants to use us to bring about his purposes that are going to change the world. So today, you might be sitting here and you may not have said yes yet to trusting God with your whole life. You may not have said yes to Jesus being Lord. But he is trustworthy. He is faithful. And he's the God of the impossible. And all he needs is our yes. And then he will be with us and he will give us the grace that we need even though we don't know what it might look like. Or you may have already said yes and that you trust God but there may be things in your life that you're struggling to trust God with. There may be a little seed, a little glimmer of an idea of something God wants to do through you something God has conceived in you, a way that he wants to change the world through you and that terrifies you or you haven't done anything about it yet. Again, it just starts with a yes. God will help it to happen. God exalts the humble. He chooses to use us to change the world. With a simple yes, History changes forever. So what does God want to birth in you and through you today? What do you need to say yes to? So Mary has this unique place in all of history of actually being pregnant with and bearing, birthing Jesus. She is literally known as the God-bearer. But... As the church, as people who love Jesus and follow him, each one of us also carries Jesus with us and in us. We bear Jesus, we take him and his message to the world. Each one of us that loves him is pregnant with the presence of Jesus. From verse 39, it says that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth who's also pregnant. And as Mary enters the room, before she says a word, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps and and, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus enters the room, stuff just happens. It has to. He changes things. So as people who are pregnant with Jesus as with his presence, as we are carriers of Jesus, every time that we enter a situation, every time we enter a place, stuff happens. It has to. Stuff changes. So from this song, there are many things that we can see of what it looks like to be carriers of the presence of Jesus, to be pregnant with the presence of Jesus. But I just want to look at three things really quickly. So what does it look like to be pregnant with the presence of Jesus? Well, number one, it looks like joy. Mary rejoiced. Our lives will be characterised by a deep, 
resilient joy. Apart from circumstance, apart from what's going on around us, there's such a deep trust and knowledge in who God is and his character that we have joy. And when the hard stuff happens and the painful stuff that tears our lives apart, we can approach those things through the context of hope, knowing that God is with us and he is trustworthy and he is faithful and he will do it. So that joy doesn't need to depart us. The joy is the thing that stays. It's the deep joy of knowing who God is and trusting in him. Number two, if we're pregnant with the presence of Jesus, we will be part of living in this upside down world that God has ushered in. His kingdom, where he's turned our world's priorities on their heads. He chooses the unlikely, unexpected people and he trusts them with terrifying responsibility. Resting on Mary's reply, resting on her yes, was the whole course of history, was the whole weight of eternity. And it's always God's way to turn the world's priorities upside down and reverse the world's ideas of what's actually important. Some of us here today might feel that we're too important for certain tasks. And if that's us, we need to remember that it's not about power and status, like the world tells us. God uses the least, and we need to feel free. We need to be released to be able to spend ourselves in serving God and serving others. And wow, what joy is there to be found in that place. Or if we're feeling too small, too inadequate, too weak, too tired, we need to hear that God wants to use us. God chose Mary. She was pregnant. She, he put her through this experience in life where you can feel the most vulnerable and he exalts the humble. And we need to accept God's grace and just say yes. So are you willing to serve? Thirdly, being pregnant with the presence of Jesus means that God will fill us with good things and we will in turn want to fill the hungry with good things too. So our DNA literally changes. We literally want to give to the poor. We want to feed the hungry. We want to offer hospitality. But many of us are also hungry for God. We look around us and people are lonely and they're empty and they're restless. And they need to be fed. They need to be filled with good things. They need to know this God who is trustworthy, who is faithful and who loves them. And God promises that he will fill us. If we hunger for him, he will fill us and he will meet our need and we in turn will fill others. So, three things. If we're pregnant with the presence of Jesus, our lives will be shaped by joy, we'll live by the priorities of this upside down world and we'll be filled and fill the hungry. So we've seen... 
how Mary's story can inspire us to say yes to what God has conceived in us. And that if we're pregnant with the presence of Jesus, we will be carrying Jesus to the world around us. And as we look forward to the birth of Jesus, we see that action is then needed. What Mary conceived in faith, she birthed in action. She said yes. She carried the presence of Jesus and then she gave birth. Now, as I'm preparing to give birth, I'm reading lots of things and attending lots of classes and they have all these things called active birth classes and some of the pictures are pretty scary. But um, it's all recognising that birth doesn't just happen by itself. It actually takes effort. (laughs) It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. It's going to involve pain. It needs to be active. We need to do something to make it happen. So whatever it is that God has conceived in you, whatever dream, seed, plan, whatever way he's prompting you to love or serve somebody else, it's going to take work. It's going to need action to make it happen. It will require persistence and some effort. But from Mary's song we see that God is so trustworthy and he's so faithful and he's not going to leave us alone. So God chooses to use us if we just say yes to bring about his mighty changes in the world. So what's God asking of you today? What do you need to say yes to? What song is God wanting you to write with your life? Amen.